As Randy said, we've been in this little, like, abrupt, not planned little mini-series where we're just reflecting on what we've all gone through and how that's affected us and how it's affected our psyche as human beings and it's how, it's, how it's affected us culturally and how it's affected our church. And sensing our culture pulling us apart. And when that happens, we have this job as followers of Christ to just say, hold on for a second. I'm pretty sure we follow this, the way of the one who said, the way the world around you is you can know you're my disciples is if you love one another. And then a couple of chapters later in the book of John, Jesus prayed for one thing for the church, for us. It wasn't that we would get things right. It wasn't that we would have the right politics. It wasn't that we would have the right yard sign in our house. It wasn't that we would have the right patch. It wasn't that we have the right bumper sticker. It was that we are united in our differences. And I talked to some of you, we, we, you know, before service or after service, we'll check in and you'll ask, how am I doing? And I'll usually just give the good, pat answer, you know, I'm, I'm doing good. And mostly I am. But I also feel uh, a weight right now. I've never, in my 15-ish years of leading a church, planting and leading, I've never had a time that's been more difficult than right now. Never had a time with more uncertainty than right now. Never had a time when I felt more under the microscope than right now. That's a weight. And sometimes it gets to me. And in first service, when we read the Nicene Creed together, I choked up. I couldn't couldn't say all the words because it, it made me emotional. Because it was so, I was just reminded by Randy and the Holy Spirit that this is nothing new. I mean, as these church leaders in the fourth century were coming up with this, it wasn't a nice, pleasant gathering. It was contentious. It was... There were hot tempers. There were fights at the Council of Nicaea. But they united around this. And I felt, as we were saying those words, I felt the ones who have gone before us, the church leaders and the followers of Christ, who have said this, that very creed for the last 1,700 years. It overwhelmed me. And then we got to sing a song by a guy named Francis of Assisi that I'm pretty sure was written in the 14th century after one little phrase in the Nicene Creed split apart the church. This is nothing new, but what's also not new is the call of Christ to love, the call of Christ to unity. So this morning, our, we're hopefully getting some questions. You're, Elliot's nodding yes. We're going to have Elliot Lund, our everything guy around here, um, come up and moderate the Q&A, and Shelly Schmore and I, as kind of representatives of the elder team and staff, are going to try our best to respond to your questions. And these can be questions all about what you're feeling, what we've gone through, how to do things, what, what does Bruce City Church think about this, that, and the other. So come on up, Elliot and Shelly, and let's, let's, let's do it.
uses still. I'm embracing the awkward silence. Usually I would fill that in with talking. I thought that was a nice transition. <laughs> <laughs> we have been talking a lot about the church, probably kind of the big C church. We've been yep. talking a lot about this church. Can you just define, like, define those things, just the, the refresher, this first question that comes in. And what's the function, what's the purpose of each of those? What's, what is the big C church supposed to do, supposed to look like? And then what's, how does this church fit into that? And then we can probably just wrap up from there. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, big C Church, we just, this is just a great opportunity. We just recited the Nicene Creed together, which maybe some of you come from a Catholic background and you left the Catholic Church with not pleasant feelings and you, you come to a, um, a, you know, formerly evangelical church, a Christian church, a laid-back church, and you're like, why are we reading the Nicene Creed? Well, because... It's true and beautiful, and we just got a little explanation of it. I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. That means Catholic doesn't mean big C. That doesn't mean we're all Roman Catholic and that, you know, if we're not, we're not part of the church. That means Catholic in this sense means unified church. There's, there is, this is just, I'm just going to, let me just bring some scripture to you. There's one church, right? There, there's tons of churches in Milwaukee. As a matter of fact, in this little five-block radius, there's probably about four or five, all different denominations and traditions, backgrounds, histories. There's only one church in Milwaukee, and there's only one church globally because there's one church, one baptism, one Lord and uh, Father of all. This is Ephesians 4. Um, and so the church, there, there's one church, and there's many expressions of it. I think, you know, we slam the church for all its divisions and all the denominations, all the different movements, all the different tr ways of doing things. I think it's beautiful. I think it represents this diverse, diverse humanity that my dad loves Lutheran churches, and he loves liturgy. He, he, his skin crawls when he comes in here, and we're, we're doing worship the way we do it. But he honors us and loves us and thinks it's great. I go into a Lutheran church, and I fall asleep. It's all good. So the, the reality, though, is that whether you're Catholic, whether you're Episcopalian, whether you're uh, Baptist, whether you're Southern Baptist, whether you're uh, non-denominational, whether you're Methodist, whether you're free church, whether, what it, whatever it is, we unite around the Nicene Creed. We unite around the Scriptures. We unite around the person of Christ. And then we celebrate our diversity and our differences. And so am I getting the big C church a little bit? Small C church, Bruce City Church, we are a local body. So if, you're, if, I was, if we were streaming online, I know that some people in, whether it's North Carolina or Texas, follow us or whatever, I would use that opportunity to say if you're, if you're not in Milwaukee and you're watching this online, go find a local church because the local church is really, really important. Who we are, the, the life of the church get, gets walked out in a local context. And that's why it's good that there's, you know, All Saints over there and there's St. John's over there and there's Trinity Presbyterian over there and there's Bruce City Church here. And we're all trying to be the church and embody something bigger than us, but we're doing it in this local expression. And then the church is nothing but relationships in the local sense. And so that's why we're encouraging people to get engaged in home churches, because that's where you find the life of the church. That's where discipleship happens. The job of the church in many ways is to carry out the mission of the gospel, to evangelize and to, to carry out the good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is for all people at all times, and to cultivate disciples of Christ. To go, like, this is Matthew 28 stuff, and I've got chills right now because this is just the truest thing about the universe that Jesus is in love with you, and there's a people that to belong to called the church. 
That's it. Got anything? I got nothing. No, that was good. That was exactly it. The church is a body. It's a, it's a group. It's a family. It's not a building. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a question that came through in the, in the first uh, service that we didn't get to that was about kind of the place of Bruce City Church in the city, recognizing we might have a unique platform in many ways, mm-hmm. whether that's uh, to kind of bridge the, the, the urban church to city church divide mm-hmm. and how we would engage in areas of great need in the city. Uh, I know you're plugged in deeply with the leadership community of the churches in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm, or like, mm-hmm. just maybe it's those things, maybe it's other things. What, what do you see as the kind of the unique place right now? This might even just kind of be seasonal of Bruce City in mm-hmm. the city of Milwaukee. Yeah. I mean, the fun thing about now doing this for almost 15 years is that that's long enough to see trends happen. And it felt different when I started, when I planted Bruce City Church in 2006 than it does now. And the ma- major difference the church in Milwaukee feel, uh, the major difference in the church in Milwaukee is we're not as divided as we used to be. We're not as competitive with one another as we used to be. I mean, when I started on the scene, it was just more competition than celebration, and it was by far. And there was, uh, there, there was not a sense of collaboration. This is just kind of, honestly, and I don't blame anybody, but this is just kind of what we were given in the city of Milwaukee. And then you take the segregation that goes along with it, and you take the, the intense um, high church uh, stuff to the city of Milwaukee, the German and Polish background with Catholics and Lutherans and uh, all, the, all that stuff. We're just products of, of our history in Milwaukee. But what's been happening is collaboration is celebration. So I'm, we're, we are officially a Brook Church. Some of you will be excited about that. Some of you are not excited about that. And it's all good. Um, but I get together with the, the pastors of these other Brook churches. We call ourselves the redheaded stepchild of the Brook Network. Um, and they all affirm that. <laughs> um, <laughs> But they're some of my best friends, uh, these pastors, whether it's uh, Matt Erickson at Eastbrook or Lee Hayward at Elmbrook or Mike Belanti. We just got lunch at Northbrook. We just got lunch this past week in Bayview. Or, I mean, I could go down the list. These guys are, I consider, great, great friends and comrades. Um, I texted, I emailed them before I was going to do the Sunday morning where we just dropped everything and, and talked and just asked them to pray for me. And Troy Lather up in Kettlebrook in West Bend said, I'm on my knees right now praying for you. Um, and it still makes me cry thinking about it. So... That's that. And then I just got lunch with, uh, I'm about to get lunch with a couple pastors who are black pastors and a, a couple of us white pastors, and we're talking about how we can collaborate more in, in the city of Milwaukee and bring about the kingdom, with bridging the racial divide in, in the city, and we're doing that as pastors together, having these conversations. So there's so much collaboration that behind the scenes that you wouldn't know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe. Our challenge as church leaders is how do we bring that to our congregations? We're talking about that all the time. It's not easy. Stay tuned. Yeah, and I would just add that I think uh, we're also a church that's really trying to um, embody kingdom ethic. Yeah. And so we, we study it. We want to learn about it. We have things like our Peace Builders group who call us mm-hmm. into putting our hands to places. Um, and so, but it's all in the, in the act of walking out kingdom ethic. It's not just to be an activist to be an activist. Yep, yep. It's to be an activist rooted in kingdom ethics. Yep. And what does that look like? Yep, and we're not afraid to stir up some good trouble as a church. Yeah. So you said more to come as you're trying to, to talk with the, the, this kind of pastoral leadership team about how this would flow into the congregation. So maybe it's the same answer here, but just uh, a few of these questions. We're talking about unity in the service, apparently, because... Uh, what are the biggest issues you feel pulling us away from unity? Asks one person, and then another, it was mentioned that intimacy brings unity, 
but what are ways to actually foster that? And I, I wonder if some of this touches in on the home churches or, or just on the ways you've organically built relationships you could talk about, but especially there's just the added layer of right now in COVID mm -hmm. restrictions, mm -hmm. that's, that's tough, but. Yep. Yeah, I don't care. Well, one of the things that I think, um, what is pulling us away from unity? Twenty twenty, mm -hmm. <laughs> and everything that happened, mm -hmm. um, it seems as though we were all put at a very vulnerable place, um, very vulnerable. Nobody knows what to expect. Nobody knew what was coming. Nobody knew how to adjust quickly. Everybody was just flying by the seat of their pants, right? <laughs> and so, in that, surfaced a lot of the things that have been underlying in our society and in the city of Milwaukee and in our families. Things like racism. Things like um, preferring one another over masks and vaccinations and you, name the topic. All of it came to the surface and what spilled out is who we were. And I think that some of us are a little shocked mm -hmm. <laughs> at who we were. We're a little shocked at how we thought an issue was more important than a person. And um, even as we talk about all the hot topics that can come up in churches, be it um, racism or homophobia or, or vaccinations, COVID, all these different things that can be these hot topics, right? And we have a choice in that because we can look at them as issues or we can look at them as people. <laughs> and when we begin to grow our relationships in our relationship circle and these issues are no longer just issues, but they're people we love and people we care about, we approach them a whole different way. And so I think that's where hard work comes in. That's where discipleship comes in. That's where spiritual formation comes in. And so how do we foster that? We be together as much as we can. And right now we're in kind of another new limbo where like the CDC is saying we don't have to wear masks if we're vaccinated so we can be together and we can do all these things. But who's vaccinated and who's not? And how do we not offend? And all the questions come, right? So but we push in. And we go, I want to be with you. So what does that look like? Are you most comfortable outside? Are you most comfortable on Zoom? However it is, we're going to be together. And we're going to have these conversations. And we push into them. Um, because otherwise, we just have these issues that we're willing to fight with. And honestly, we step on a lot of people. And this year has been hard. I've, I've shared with the staff numerous times that I feel like I've been like assaulted on every level mm -hmm. <laughs> in relationship. Mm -hmm. And it's been hard. And I had a choice in those moments. Either I push in <laughs> and I ask for the conversation or I let the issue divide us. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it feels easier to just let the issue divide us, to be honest. But I know then that I need to listen to the Holy Spirit going, ask for the conversation, hear their story, ask good questions, be a good listener, learn those, those things again, refresh those things in your mind. Don't enter a conversation only with the answer you're going to give. Enter a conversation being willing to learn about where somebody else is coming from yep. and have that conversation. Yep. I think Shelly covered, covered it all. And if the whole intimacy brings unity, um, if you're looking to get connected or get connected relationally, we usually have small groups. We don't have one uh, that's happening right now, but we will have, <clears throat> have small groups moving forward. Get connected with those and join that. When we have opportunity, even serving like calls to volunteer, that gets you known and we get grow relationally. And then home church is the biggest thing for us around here where if you want to get connected to an intimate group of relationships and uh, spirit, what we call spiritual family, that's the place for that. You can, tech, you can go to the Welcome Center, 
do the QR code, get the info, Shelly will get your email, and we can take it from there. But those are the ways that we, we engage together and build intimacy. And don't just run for the doors, you know? I mean, like, yeah. hang out afterwards, get to know people. It's why, it's also why I don't think home church is just enough. There's a bigger thing going on that we can be part of and be known and be, be serving and all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, one theme that's emerged in the questions this morning has been, I think we can all resonate with just the, the politicalization of everything and how that's made it so hard to engage in loving interactions, whether it's with our family or those we disagree with, uh, and especially around those issues where we want to love them, but then we feel like it's through their actions or through their, their beliefs that they're hurting or, or harming those, those who are close to us as well and those that we see in our circle. Uh, how do you interact with those things? And when it, when it gets really real and it's not okay to just kind of kumbaya, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then what happens? Mm -hmm. I mean, people are going to disagree with me, and that's okay, but I'll just be vulnerable, we're not streaming now, so that makes it a lot easier. I mean, I have family members who I love who say racist things. I have family members who I love who say homophobic things. I have family members who I love who say things that offend me as a follower of Christ, and they claim to be a follower of Christ, right? And sometimes I speak up. Sometimes we, I choose to, to get into it. And other times I don't because it doesn't feel like the right moment. And I'm, but what I've seen, and I'm not perfect, my viewpoints are probably going to be different in 10 years than they are now, right? But what I've seen that works the best in my relationships with people that I choose is just grace. The way of grace and love always wins out. Always. It's just like I believe it when I read it in the Bible and when I choose it, choose to live that out because, man, it's not easy and I don't choose it all the time. But when I do, that persuades people more than a good argument. Like I don't, I haven't ever, it's rare that somebody's humble enough to be in, in I'm including myself, to be in a debate in the moment in a conversation and say, I think you're right about that actually. Like how many times has that happened to you? But committing to engage in those conversations in a loving way and choosing the way of love and giving one another grace, I've seen that move people. I've seen that change people. And I've heard that story of like, that's, I think that's, that's my perspective. Yeah, I would just add too that um, in this, especially in this last year, I've really had to examine my own heart as I go into a conversation. Am I, am I gonna bring something up just to debate it? <laughs> Or am I going to um, wait for that moment to, you know, put the dagger in or whatever you want to call it, like be like, you have to believe this? Or am I going to come to it with a humble heart, realizing that I could learn something? And maybe we aren't going to land on the exact same place. And I don't think that's necessary. I don't think we have to agree on every single thing. But I do think we have to honor one another. And I do think that I am responsible for myself in that, and we each are responsible for ourselves in that. So when we come to a conversation, are we in it to win it? <laughs> or are we in it to just have a conversation? And I'm not excusing times where something is said, and frankly, you need to speak up and, and say that was offensive. Or I have friends that you're speaking against when you say that, and it's not okay in my home. Mm -hmm. And I've had to do that. Mm -hmm. I've had to have those kinds of conversations. And they don't always end well and pretty. 
the other person is hurt, that they didn't get me onto their side, so to speak. But there's times where I do have to like speak to something and not just let it slide either. Yep. And so it's discernment and it's wisdom and it's, it's understanding yourself. And that's all part of spiritual formation and spiritual discipleship. And that's why you'll hear me say it. If you hear me say it once, you'll hear me say it a million times. We have to learn to do that. Mm-hmm. And that takes work and it takes practice. And we need to practice those, those spiritual disciplines and grow those spiritual muscles. So when we're in those moments... We're not scrambling. We're like, okay, this, this is what I've been thinking about. This is where my mind goes. Jesus, I'm asking you to be a part of this conversation and to help us hold tension for each other. This tension that we may not agree, but we can still prefer one another. That takes practice. Mm-hmm. You're not going to do that in the moment if you've never thought about it. Mm-hmm. And so that's where spiritual discipline, learning these things, growing those muscles is really important, and that's what spiritual formation and discipleship is. Yeah, I mean, just, just real-life examples. I mean, I felt the Holy Spirit call me to speak out uh, strongly and publicly about after George Floyd was killed, and um, I felt actually called to say the words Black Lives Matter, and I knew that my wrestle with the Holy Spirit was that I knew there's one close relationship in my life that would um, be pressurized because of that. And I still felt the Holy Spirit saying, yep, I'm, I want you to. And I did, as most of you know, and um, that relationship was horrendously hard this last year. And I had to have the conversation with this person over and over again. I love you more than my position, and I, I'm choosing you still, and I hope you choose me, even though we disagree. And this person has police officer family members and feels strongly about it, and I had to communicate. I love police officers. I respect police officers. I'm not saying anything that's trying to defame police officers. I'm just asking for accountability for some. And, you know, these are the real conversations that we have to have in the places that we have to go. But over the course of the summer, I had many imaginary conversations with this person in my head, angry ones and tearful ones. And I had this narrative in my head about this person, and I grew in bitterness about this person. And then I saw this person face-to-face and engage with them, and it just melted and I repented in in myself because when I'm face to face with this person, they're the ones that mattered. And we got to engage together and I've had such this journey of healing because of the Holy Spirit. Every time I'm with this person, afterward, I don't want them to go because it's such a sacred space and after they leave, I get emotional like I am right now because I'm reminded that this is the Spirit of Christ, choosing one another over our positions, and I don't, I, I have never apologized to this person for what I said, but I just, and she hasn't apologized for, to me for not saying things or being angry. But that relationship's just more important to me than pretty much anything. But that, but I did say yes to the Holy Spirit in saying what I felt like the Spirit was asking me to say. I hope that puts on display just like this, it's, there's no one clear, easy answer. So one question came in that asks, I think what you already answered, Shelley, does unity have to mean that we all agree on something or are we supposed to be created uniquely and coming at things from different angles? Let me merge in a question we didn't get to from the first service and how this, how has this played out, uh, I guess, at the elder level, at the leadership level, uh, in your conversations around uh, our LGBTQ family members and how they would be included? Um, mm let me let you take that. Mm-hmm. 
in case you didn't hear, Shelly said go ahead. Um, uh, we have been on, I've been a pastor for 15 years, and um, we have been on a journey for that whole time around uh, how to engage and love our LGBTQ friends and family and loved ones and um, what, what our policy and stance is going to be, all that stuff. And we're still in that conversation. Um, there was something that happened last summer that, that sparked another round of conversation. And so what I can tell you is that we as elders, there's five elders, some of us are affirming, some of us are not affirming. And we're engaging at that level. Um, and we're, we're, we're figuring out how to be united together as a leadership team about this, as elders, and how to, how to reflect. Here's, here's what we want to do. We want to reflect the gospel in every way possible. And so that's, we've done biblical reflection over and over and over again around this matter. We just did another round this past fall. And we've asked invited therapists and counselors and uh, other church leaders into this conversation as well. And we're inviting LGBTQ friends and family members into this conversation as well and um, doing it as best we, po we, we possibly can. And so we don't have like a statement for you right now. We're still in conversation, but I can tell you we're heading somewhere where I'm really proud of. Um, and it's a, it's a conversation where we've chosen one another over our stances, but we're also choosing to radically embrace and walk in the way of love of, of the love of Christ. And I, if you hear me say that over and over again, the love of Christ, and we're embodying the love of Christ, and he's like, oh, love, 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 love. Just read the New Testament. If you're wrestling with me saying that, you're going to wrestle with Paul saying it, and you're going to wrestle with John saying it, you're going to wrestle with Jesus saying it. So just, just read the New Testament. But is, is that sufficient? Yeah. I, the only thing I would even add to it is that um, in that wrestling, there's been really, really beautiful things that have come of it. Mm -hmm. And we've grown in friendship, and we've grown in understanding of one another and each other's stories and what we each bring to the table. And so that's the, to me, that's the most important thing is it's all about relationship. Mm -hmm. Any conversation, whether it's about LGBTQ or um, Black Lives Matter, whatever, you name the thing. Um, it's people, and it's relationships, and it's learning one another's stories, and it's seeing the, the um, working out of the Holy Spirit in people's lives and the flourishing of human beings, which is what the Father longs for. And so, yeah, I just want to say how beautiful those conversations are. And that's not normal, you guys. <laughs> As you all know, turn on the news. You can see all the contention everywhere. Yep. And to have a place that we can do that as leaders, that we can come together in this kind of beautiful conversation is truly a miracle and the work of the Holy Spirit. That's right. And I will say this, like, we're, we're not at a place where we can come out and publicly say, like, here's where we are. But I will say all of us, all five elders in like Bruce City Church, this is the culture that we're cultivating, is that we are fiercely committed to being, to, to embracing all people. And we are fiercely committed to welcoming and including all people, whether you're straight, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, uh, queer, we are, we are committed to embodying the way of Christ and including all people into our church family and into, into belonging and being members of this church family, that there are no primary and secondary members. There, are, there is no hierarchy here. We are fiercely committed to it. And so if, if, that's, if that's a little unsettling, that's okay. You can still be here and be in conversation with us because we're all on a journey. But we will not apologize for, for welcoming, loving, including all people.
might be a, a good one to kind of land it on here. How, how are you as elders praying for this church? What are you asking God for? And how can the community be praying along with you in some of those, some of those same things? Uh, <laughs> um, our, I think it was our last elder meeting. No, two elder meetings ago when it was the Wednesday before us, I just said, I think we need to drop Daniel and, and do this. Um, we had a prolonged time in prayer. Um, and just begging the Holy Spirit for unity in, in Bruce City Church. I mean, we're talking about what we're praying for, basically. Um, and I wept more than, I've, more than I've wept in a long time. Just desperately crying out to Jesus to lead the church because I can't do it because we can't do it. Because we don't have what it takes. I wept crying out for the Holy Spirit to pastor this church because we don't have what it takes to lead this church into goodness in life, holiness, righteousness, kingdom living, the way of Christ. Um, so that, that I mean, that's how we've been praying for, for the church. And I would just invite you into that prayer of becoming people that will fiercely fight for those things, mm -hmm. that will fiercely fight for a place of unity, that will fiercely fight um, to love one another well, and whatever that looks like, to prefer one another over being right. That's, that's a concept to think through, you know, like, do, do I prefer the people that I sit here with over being right? Do I prefer my family members? So to join us in that prayer, I think would be amazing if you yeah. would join us in fiercely fighting for that and being a people that say, come on, Holy Spirit, have your way. Yep. <laughs> and I don't think there's ever, is, I mean, I kind of like have a walking prayer of like holding Bruce City Church with open hands um, in right now with a lot of uncertainty. But I do believe that like the, the practice of gathering together has never been more important than it is right now. The, the act of being the church together has never been more important than it is right now. And so I'm praying that you guys would spread that word, that it wouldn't be just us talking about, the, about that, but that we're, we're calling one another to be the church together, to love one another, to engage in conversations, to serve the body of Christ, to missionally live into the city of Milwaukee and, and to, to, to see this on a global scale. We need one another to do that. So I'm asking God to prompt you guys to have a stirring within you, to have this Holy Spirit fire that doesn't go out and that it kind of grows and grows and grows and is inviting people into this space and is calling people back into relationship and is reminding one another of the way of Jesus. That's, those, these are my prayers. Can we be the church together? So worship team, come on up, and let's just, you know, because of COVID, not hold hands or do anything like that, but let's stand, friends, and if you're comfortable with this, just open your hands and sense the people next to you, in front of you, behind you, you probably don't know, but who are human beings just trying their best to live well. 
that all around us right now are human beings who have stories that would surprise us, who are wrestling with things, feel weighted down, are struggling with loss and disappointment, with unmet expectations, who are celebrating new life, who are walking with depression or anxiety, who have opinions that are different than you. And here's the, the big one that you can guarantee that a person, the people around you who, are, who Jesus is in love with. And so we rest in that Jesus. We agree with you that the people around us right now are worthy of your love and affection. Too many times in the church we say we're, we're not worthy. Of course, who is worthy of the love you give us? But you say we are. I will not disagree with your affection for the people around me. I will not disagree with your affection for the people we put labels on. I will not disagree with your affection for the people on the other side of the conversation who, are, who, who watch a different news channel than I watch and read a different newspaper paper than I read. I will not disagree with your affection about the people that, that hold bitterness and resentment against me. I will not disagree with your affection for the people around me who just need to know they are loved by you, Jesus. So Holy Spirit, stir within us this love of Christ. Holy Spirit, make us into a church that you dream of. Well, Jesus, when you prayed for the church 2,000 years ago in words that we have now to read and you dreamt of something, a unified, diverse, rich, complex, messy group of people who are sinners, who are broken, who, are, who, have, who, have, who fail more often than not, but are inspired by you and your love, who follow the way of Jesus, would you let us embody that in the city of Milwaukee, 2021. I'm not sick of it. I'm not done with it. I want to be your church. I want to walk into your ways. I want to embody you, Jesus, more than I ever have. And so come now and do that. Stir within us. Stir within this local church family through City Church to radically embody your way, Jesus, because our city and our nation and our culture needs it so desperately. So stir within us. Stir within us, Holy Spirit, in unprecedented, new, surprising ways. Would you come now and do that? Would you come and give us the privilege of being your people, of gathering together, of serving one another, of choosing one another and modeling something different? So now when we say be enthroned, we say would your ways be enthroned among us? When we say be enthroned, we say all the generations that, before, that, that came before us were crying out for the same thing and we're not giving up. That we're moving towards a new creation. Would new creation be enthroned over the broken ways of this world? We sing to you and praise you and worship you and fill our hearts, our minds, our spirits in this place with worship of you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.